as we welcome in Jason Greger to the program, the host of the Afternoon Drive show here on Sports 1440. Morning, Gregs. How you doing? Doing outstanding, outstanding. Uh, busy, busy Friday and weekends here. Eddie's fired up. He's got his tie on. He's... Ready as, to go. As uh, Donovan, the intern, said last Friday when Eddie came in with a tie, Donovan said, what are you wearing a tie for, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, I have a life, yeah, man. He's got another job, Donovan. So, uh, Gregs, what'd you make of the game last night? Uh, well, almost a repeat a little bit of the Detroit game. Uh, really good first period. The orders, let's be honest, it might have cost himself the game in the first period when the Hyman couldn't score on those two chances. Um, you know, you bury one of those and you're up three to one and it's probably a, a much different game. But then the uh, second period came and almost a complete repeat of what happened against Detroit. Uh, they just they allowed the Blues chance after chance. Um, McDavid's line was terrible mm-hmm. five on five in that game. Um, you know, and I, you know, the, the coach didn't switch up the lines, I think, because of the offense. I think he switched up the lines because of what they're giving up defensively. And, um, you know, I know everybody's going to talk about the penalties, but. The uh, the penalties the, were there a few soft ones yeah probably um, you know the Deharnay penalty I watched it I don't know how many times um, but then even if you hate it you probably can't take the minor I don't know what he said mm-hmm. but either way too much the uh, second period cost in the game because they came out again well they have the first six shots of the third period then they take a penalty um, you know what they're just uh, and they're and they're penalty kill now they only allowed two goals one of them was with McDavid and McLeod on it where they couldn't like CC and McDavid both had chance to clear the puck you can look at the stats. That when you have an obvious chance to clear the puck and you don't, it's something like 61% of the time that then turns into a power play goal because now you're extended your penalty kill, you're tired, and that's what happened. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard to win when you take that many penalties. But I thought five on five, like they were just, they were leaky all over the place. They gave up way too much. You know, I, I thought one of the key points of the game was early in the second period. So it's 2-2 and Derek Ryan has a breakaway, uh, shorthanded, Bennington makes a big save, and then St. Louis scores the 3-2 goal where Tory Krug comes in. Uh, Zach Hyman kind of let him slide by, and Krug's got the, the yawning cage. Every St. Louis goal was scored like two, three feet around the blue paint last night as well. Yeah, the orders, it was it was a sloppy game, and they're, we've seen signs of this um, you know, here and there in the last uh, few weeks for the Edmonton orders. And so, you, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Eventually it's going to get to you. But uh, St. Louis's top line really just gave Edmonton fits all game. Um, Cairo and Thomas and then, you know, Jake neighbors when he was on the ice had a pretty solid game. And, um, you know, St. Louis has been playing well. So uh, there's, there's not many easy games in the NHL, but I thought the orders, they, they had chances to take the lead and yeah, you get, it's good save sometimes, but like Zach Hyman, that first power, like you shot it right in his glove. Mm-hmm. Like that's really the only that's the only save Bennington could have made. You got to find a way to put it in. Yeah, I thought the the other one he's got to elevate on the back end. It's one one at that point, so that makes it two one. And maybe and it Nugent Hopkins it. scored late in the in the first, right? Yeah, so that that made it two one, right? So and let's be honest, if there was another little split second on the clock, it would have been two two because Sunquist scored right at the buzzer there. Mm. Yeah, go ahead, Eddie. Yeah, hey, Greg's. Just before you hopped on with us, we were talking about Dylan Holloway and just his game and where he's at so far in the trajectory of his career. Uh, just talk a little bit about what you saw yesterday with him getting the move up to uh, the second line. Well, it didn't last a whole bunch. Um, like Dylan Holloway, I, I think it's really unfair when people look at his games played to think that that's an actual accurate portrayal. The guy was playing six and seven minutes a night. Like that's might as well cut his games played in half. Right. I think he's played 74 NHL games, um, 
like last year he played 50 games and I think there was maybe six over 10 minutes. So I don't care when you're a veteran, it's hard to, to, to keep your body ready in the game when you don't play like that. So I didn't love how they handled Dylan Holloway last year, to be bluntly honest. I don't think that's the best development for a player. So um, it's going to take him some time to, uh, you know, and when you're on a good team, it can be harder a little bit to get ice time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not on the penalty kill right now. He's not on the power play. So it's kind of, it's hard to stay in, in a little bit of a rhythm for the game. So um, they, they went and they sent him down to the minors to kill penalties. So I'd try to find a way to get him at least as the seventh penalty killer. So when one of your six penalty killers are in the box, he's at least going to get the, you know, part of the third unit. So, you know, there's, there's lots of his game that I like, you know, he reminds me a lot of a young hall and a young McDavid, not necessarily in the skill set, but the way he plays, he's super fast. And those guys needed to slow their game down. And uh, that's going to come eventually from uh, from Holloway. You know, it's great that he wants to go 100 miles an hour all the time, but he'll learn to, you know, disguise and be a little bit more deceptive with his speed and change gears and different things. And that's just that's just part of learning to play in the best league in the world. And, um, you know, I don't mind Holloway. I like him. I, I think he brings energy. Um, you know, he doesn't shy away. I like all that. He's got a decent shot. But, you know, he's a young guy, and and realistically right now he's probably a complimentary third-line player. Well, let's play devil's advocate here because, as you said, you're talking about Holloway's minutes, games played, etc. Jake Neighbors almost identical to Holloway last year. Almost identical as far as ice time, games played, points, goals, etc. But this year, Holloway, if he's given an opportunity, he hasn't taken advantage of that opportunity as we eddie and i were talking uh jake neighbors has busted down the door he's busted griggs jake neighbors never started on the top six he never started in the top six this year he's on the first unit power play. yes he's earned it though he earned it he wasn't on the on the first unit power play to start the year he wasn't in front of the net at the start of the year yeah well, so he's earned it. At the start of the year, he's so what I'm it, saying, right? Greg's is he's earned it. He's he's busted down the door here. Yeah. So you're saying Dylan Holloway hasn't done enough? I I'm what I'm doing. I'm doing a comparable to Jake Neighbors last night, and Eddie and I were talking about it, Greg's. So at the end of the night, Jake Neighbors had a phenomenal game. He's looking at that draft class of 2020 and going, you know what? I'm just as good as anyone in here. I got 19 goals now. I've mm. I've taken advantage of my opportunity. Holloway hasn't done that yet. Well, did Jake Neighbors now just re- refresh my memory? Did okay. Jake Neighbors get sent to the minors this year? Uh, no, not, like I, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that comparison okay. at all. That's fine. It's good that we don't agree on everything. Yeah, like, and I'm not one to to to. I don't I don't like. Hey, this guy's having success. So that means the other guy's terrible. I'm, I don't think I'm that's the best way that to either. I'm not He's saying that either. I'm not saying that either. Good for Jake Neighbors. I'd yeah. say this. Great for Jake Neighbors. When he was an oil king, there's there's lots of people when Jake Neighbors got drafted who questioned if he had the foot speed. And clearly that's become the most overrated, incorrect assessment on players is because they're not all burners. And I think, like, look at Corey Perry's career. He's not mm-hmm. a burner. Um, there's lots of guys around the league that aren't burners. And Jake Neighbors, when he played for the oil kings, wasn't – an elite player in the WHL who's a very, very good player whose work ethic was off the charts, played strong, and he's kind of being able to just take that and get it into uh, to St. Louis where, you know what, uh, they transitioned Thomas, Cairo. They got a lot of younger guys, Buchnevich. Um, no, he's a little bit older, but he's still not that old. And uh, he's gotten opportunities. You're right, Jake Neighbors has, has banged down the door to earn his opportunity, no mm-hmm. question. 
and and that's great for him. I just don't I don't think it's fair to compare that because Dylan Holloway Dylan Holloway could have played lights out. He's never getting on the first unit power play in Edmonton. I don't care what he did five on five fair. to start the year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But neighbors has contributed. You saw how he contributed outside of the power play yesterday. So and yeah, well, if you look back, Greg, like, look back to the junior. Like neighbors was hurt two years out of his junior career. His last yeah. two years. I mean his when his draft year, he had a phenomenal year. If he continues, like that, stunted his progression. So anyway, we're splitting hairs here. But um, what about the PK unit just as a whole, Greg's? In the sense that uh, I believe ten ten days ago, the PK unit was uh, fifth in the league. Now it's uh, all the way down to fourteenth. What's up? Well, they've allowed uh, seven goals in four games. That's uh, that's going to do it. Um, well, twice last night and then the other game, they had chances to clear the puck. They didn't clear it out. That extends the power play time. So that's that's problem number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think problem number two, teams are starting. You watch the puck movement up top. The Oilers, they have that um, where they don't necessarily pressure the puck with the one guy up top and then the other guy rolls over. Teams are starting to, to exploit that. That's what I've noticed. Um, they're with their forward and because they don't they they play kind of like the the one up, right? They don't play the old traditional mm-hmm. box anymore. And but how they rotate over is sometimes the guy on the right he doesn't go to the guy on the right. They wait for the left guy to go over. And I, teams are now starting to exploit that because if you watch St. Louis, especially last night, they got the puck and it was boom, boom, boom. They just kept puck moving. And the orders because they're not as static on their penalty kill, they try to have motion more. They were running around all the time. So I think it's going to be one now. It's a cat and mouse game. I think teams have taken enough film on the owner's penalty kill and said, okay, this is how to exploit it. St. Louis, now, by the way, St. Louis has got, I think, the fifth best power play in the NHL, right? They ended the game 25%. They came into the game at 26%. So, you know, they basically are who they were uh, beforehand. No, um, I, I think Greg's. I think St. Louis was twenty third coming in. They were sixteen point nine. Well, under ba- sorry, under Bannister, okay. twenty six point eight percent. That's what it is, okay. right? So since the coaching change, their power play has been really the reason they've won games because they don't they don't well mm-hmm. outside of last night they don't generate a ton of shots five on five. Actually, they came in. I think they're like twenty fourth in the league, and really even under Bannister, they were only averaging twenty three shots a game five mm-hmm. on five. But um, or sorry, overall. But it was their power play that was leading them. And their power play has like a ridiculously high shooting percentage, right? Like yeah. it's been really good. Yeah. So um, that's a good PP right now with confidence. You saw their puck movement, guys. Like every power play, they were dangerous. That was the thing. So the orders, they're going to have to regroup. Now they're going to Dallas, who spanked Nashville 9-2 to two last night. This was, uh, I said at the start of the road trip, like they go 1-1-1. One, one, and one, They'd be happy uh, on this road trip, I think. Oof. And so now, you know what, uh, you're going to have to beat Dallas or tie them. Uh, for that to happen or lose in overtime, I should yeah. say. So, you know, the penalty kill to me is just, it goes in ebbs and flows, but I find um, they're a little bit out of sync, but it's more so that the, the orders tried to pressure and now teams have figured it out and they're really exploiting at the top. Mm-hmm. Eddie? Yeah, yeah, this has been a nice spicy start to our <laughs> Friday morning. I love it. I've been staying in my lane quiet over here, <laughs> sticking to what I know best, but in all honesty, uh, Corey Perry, he's been quite a nice addition, eh, boys? He's coming around. Yeah, like Perry's probably a guy who could have had a few more goals too. Like, you know, his hands looked like a guy who hadn't played in a few months. But, uh, you know, he was around the net where he scored last night. And, um, you know, they talked about it afterwards that they felt they weren't around the net mm-hmm. uh, enough last night that they used the – I think it was Nugent Hopkins used the, the Corey Perry example as, hey, that's what we wanted to do and we didn't do enough of it. And that's what Perry's going to bring you, right? And I think, you know, Perry – 
He's, he, he can play anywhere in your lineup for a few shifts. I don't think he's a consistent top six forward come playoff time. But if you're in a game where all of a sudden something isn't working, you can move Corey Perry up because he has the hockey smarts to play with McDavid or Dreisaitl. I, I have no doubt in my mind. I don't care about his speed. Right, Pat Maroon scored 24 five-on-five goals with McDavid. He's, he's not as fast as Corey Perry. So um, what I like about Perry is, you know what? He, he adds a little jam to a team that I still, when I look at the Edmonton orders, if I'm Ken Holland, they need a little bit more spice. Eddie, you were just talking about spice on the orders. Like they got way too many guys that skate around. And at the end of the game, man, they got uh, they got a pocket full of eggs and none of them are broken because they don't hit anybody. No doubt. They don't get involved in scrums. And they're still, to me, come playoff time when the energy level ramps up. I still question if the orders have enough of those guys. As go ahead, Eddie. Yeah, I firmly yeah. believe this. I firmly and it's awesome that Connor McDavid is out there smacking people the way he does. He's your leader. He's your captain. He's the best player in the world. But he should not be the one who's always setting the tone in that regard. And generally, he is lately. So someone else needs to do that. Hey, Greg's as as um, as poorly as the Oilers played in the second period. After that Perry goal, as you said, the Oilers were right back in. And Connor Brown hits the post crossbar area. I mean, that goes in, and he can't buy one. We all know that. But that goes in. That's a different game coming down the stretch in the last five, six minutes. What did you think of Brown, though, last night? I actually thought that was one of his better games. He was all over the puck. Um, you know, people like, take him off the penalty kill. And I'm like, hey, Einstein's. He wasn't <laughs> on the ice when they gave up a power play goal. Like, figure yeah. it out. Um, so, I, hey, trust me. Connor Brown, it's it's been a disaster. Everybody knows it. But his work ethic last night, he was one of the order's better forwards, without question. He created a lot of chances. Um, unfortunately, you know, right now, Eddie Steele or myself probably have a better chance of growing a full head of hair <laughs> than he has of scoring a goal, which is uh, facts. Which is facts. He uh, he just he can't buy one now. And once he scores one, I won't yeah. be surprised. If he scores you know three goals yeah. in a ten game span yeah. or something. Because right mm-hmm. now, like like when he had that two on one, the St. Louis Blue defender completely went over to the pass, and yeah. Brown still tried to force the pass. And that's a player who has no confidence. no offensive confidence yeah. in my eyes. And that, I mentioned that, like hitting that crossbar late, like that was actually a really nice play. Mm-hmm. And if you know for lots of other guys that might go in, but right mm-hmm. now for Brown, yeah, there's no. Uh, there, if uh, if you didn't have bad luck, you'd have no luck around the net. Totally agree with you, Greg. That was that two on one with Janmark in the first period, shorthanded, yeah. and it was a hope pass that, luckily for the Oilers, uh, resulted in uh, a penalty taken by the Blues in Cairo. So, uh, Greg, what do you, do you know? What you got shaking, cooking uh, coming up today at two o'clock on a Friday? Yeah, Greg Button will be by. We're yeah. going to talk. Uh, you know, three weeks away from the NHL trade deadline, so we'll look at uh, that. And you know, does the Jake Gensel injury uh, impact anything? I don't mm-hmm. think it does, but uh, we'll talk to Craig as a GM, like. You know, are you are you going to get more of a? You send your doctor to go do a review of Jake Kensel before mm-hmm. you acquire him, stuff like that. So, um, you know, uh, but uh, we'll have low tide. We've got uh, we've got a lot of array of Wednesday. Oh yeah, Colin Chalk, the uh, head coach of uh, the Bakersfield oh, uh, Condors, yeah. and uh, also we're going to break down Kevin. How many times have the Edmonton Oilers had seven or more consecutive penalties in a game? And do you do you have the research done already on that, or are you working on it? Uh, no, I've got the answer. Oh, I know the, uh, just, just for what is there fans, multiple choice? Driving, I'll give you, I'll give you a little teaser. Okay. Um, seven wasn't the most in franchise history. <laughs> okay. And, um, the most actually happened in a playoff game. If you can imagine. What? So that yes. got to be going back a long time then a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but, um, uh, after the cup wins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. We'll, so we will uh, we will break that down. Order what? fans, I'll just give you a hint. 
10 consecutive <laughs> power okay. plays. I haven't looked at anything. I, I'm betting that it has to be either against Dallas or Colorado. Uh, no, it was Minnesota oh. in 1991. Wow. But uh, they did have eight also in a playoff game against the Stars yeah. in 2003. That's a lot so of penalties. We'll break, we'll break down, uh, you know, and then how many times um, the Oilers were the team that was getting the consecutive uh, power plays. Mm. That should be higher, you would think. Yeah, but you'd think wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. Thanks, big guy. Take care, man. Have a good one.